Hallelujah. My, my, I was enjoying hearing all these young ministers uh, preach for their two minutes or three minutes or one and a half minutes, whatever it was. Uh, after they got done, I didn't even know why they invited me, Brother Spell. But I'm here, so i got to do something. Or, or Brother Cox won't give me any dinner. So i got to do something. But it's good to be here tonight. I uh, am reminded of what uh, the Portuguese say. They say, uh, guests are always a pleasure, either in their arrival or in their departure. And I hope that by the time I leave here, you're more glad that I came than that I left. And so uh, I just want to share something from the good word of the Lord with you tonight. And turning your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter number 20. And while you're turning there, let me say it's so good to see all of our pastor friends um, and also those that we have not met before. It's also good to see all of these young ministers, youth leaders on fire for God. Man, that excites me. I remember those days. And I don't ever want to lose that. I want that fire to keep burning. Amen. How many of you want the fire of the Holy Ghost to just keep on burning in your heart and your life till Jesus comes? Amen. Good to see our missionary friend, Brother Thompson, again. God bless him. Good to see Brother Lyles again and Elder Spell. He's the youngest old man I know. Amen. And he and his beautiful wife here tonight and just all of the ministers, my friend Brother Tony Spell and Brother John Hare and all the other ministers that are here. God bless you. Especially good to see Brother Cox, the fine pastor of this assembly. We honor him and his good wife. They're doing such a tremendous job here in Abbeville, and we're so very proud of them and the good work they're doing. Just tremendous people of God. And the Bible said, Ye shall know them by their fruits. And the greatest fruit that I see is, is Brother Nathan Cox right here. A young man that loves God, loves truth, is on fire for God. That tells me all I need to know about the Cox family. Amen. And so we love and appreciate them. Thank you, Brother Cox, for all you have done for this service here tonight. I know you've labored, you and your wife, much. Thank you for it, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Acts chapter 20, let's begin with verse number 7. Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse number 7. And we sailed away from, I'm sorry, that was verse 6. Let's start with verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. And they brought this young man alive, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. I want to I preach from this passage tonight to every young man and every young lady that's in this building. And also every other adult that's here or child. And I want to I preach to you tonight about the miracle that shouldn't have happened. The miracle that shouldn't have happened. Would you just put your Bibles down and bow your heads with me? 
Close your eyes. Lift your hands to heaven and let's make some noise. Let's ask God to pour out His Spirit in this house tonight. Would you pray with me? you clap your hands unto the Lord. God, anoint me to preach. Anoint your people to receive. Have your way in this house tonight. How about having some church around here tonight? Clap your hands unto the Lord. Let's give Him some praise. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Some 2,000 years ago, in the region of Asia Minor, in the city of Troas, there was a church service that was held in an upper room. In fact, these early believers gathered with lanterns, filled the upper chamber of the third loft of this building, and began to listen to the preaching of the great Apostle Paul. The Bible says that as he began to preach, there was a young man by the name of Eutychus that found a window. Windows, of course, in those days were not like they are for us today with glass, but open spots in a building no doubt made of wood or cement, and it was an opening big enough for this young man to find a seat. The Bible said he sat in the window, and it was on the third floor of this building. As he sat there, the great apostle Paul began to preach. And uh, as he preached, the Bible said this young man fell asleep. It says he fell into a deep sleep. And after he fell into a deep sleep, the Bible said he sank down or sunk down with sleep. So he got to an even deeper level of sleep. And when he sank down with sleep, his body turned and his weight shifted. And it shifted toward the outside of the window. His body toppled out of the window and fell and smashed against the ground below. No doubt the church let out a shriek. Maybe some mama cried, oh, that's my son. And the service came to a halt. And they clattered down the stairs, three sets of them, till they got to the bottom Finally, the preacher said, as it were, move out of the way. Let me get to this young man. And there this man, this young man, who had died from his fall, had the preacher wrap his arms around him. And the preacher embraced him and held him close. Then he turned to the crowd and said, trouble not yourselves. His life is in him. He felt him shudder. He felt him begin to gasp and take a breath. No doubt his eyes opened. No doubt somebody around got excited. My boy is alive. Revival is taking place. He's alive and well. And the Bible said they were not a little comforted. That's the King James way of saying they were plum excited. They were thrilled. They were happy that God had done a marvelous work in the life of this young man. And unfortunately, though, that was not the end of the service, Brother Cox, because then the Apostle Paul went back upstairs. The church followed him, and the young man, no doubt as well, and he went on to have church for several more hours. He preached, and uh, he preached until the sun began to rise on the eastern horizon. Oh, what a marvelous miracle happened on that day. 
What a tremendous outpouring of God's Spirit came into a church that needed a miracle from God. I'm sure that church never forgot what God had done for them on that particular night. But what I want to preach to you tonight is, this was a miracle from God. It was a marvelous thing that happened. But the fact of the matter was, this was a miracle that should never have happened in the house of God. This was something that should have never occurred. And the reason it should have never occurred was because, number one, this young man foolishly sat in a window on the third loft, on the third story of this building. You, you, you don't have to have much sense to understand. If you go up into a tall building and sit on the edge and fall asleep, you're just asking for serious trouble. And God had to perform a miracle. And the church had to stop worshiping and hearing the Word of God to allow a miracle to happen that should never have disrupted the flow of the Spirit in that place. God sometimes does marvelous things that He should never have to do. If we would just begin to understand, we need to use some good sense in our lives and in the way we operate and in the way we perform our duties in the kingdom of God. And so this young man got into a window on a third story building and fell asleep. The reason this miracle should not have happened was because this guy shouldn't have been sitting on the edge. He should have had enough sense not to sit there. And young people, I want to preach to you tonight. God is a great God. He's a miracle worker. He's a God of restoration. He's a God who can change backsliders and, and restore broken marriages and bo broken homes and and put lives back together. But there's kids that have been raised in our churches that have left God, got cold, got worldly, and their lives have been wrecked, and God's had to reach in there and do a miracle. But the fact is, He should never have had to do those miracles because somebody should have said, I'm not going to live on the edge. I'm not going to live close to the world and to the power of the enemy. I'm going to use some sense in my life. And so, this miracle should not have happened because this young man should have used the good sense that God gave him not to sit on the edge uh, tempting God, as it were, uh, for himself to fall. You know, you, you, you just got to stop and examine what was this young man thinking? To sit in a window on the third story of a building. Young people sometimes are risk takers. A lot of times, young men and young ladies don't think about the consequences of their actions. They just live on the edge. But I'm trying to help somebody today because better than a miracle is not having to have one. Better than God having to step in and rearrange your life, uh, it would be better uh, that you stay in the church, uh, be filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, live a good life, uh, and be free from the power of the enemy. You may say, Pastor Johnson, Brother Johnson, what are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. I know a pastor's son tonight, that, and he's uh, just a young man. If you were to look at him, you would never guess in a million years 
that this young man was suicidal. You'd never guess in a million years that before he graduated out of high school, he uh, was ready to take his life. Sent his mom and dad a note because as just a teenager, somebody had turned him on to internet pornography and hidden behind his parents uh, and their ministry was a young boy uh, that Satan uh, had gotten an inroad uh, into his heart and into his life. He was bound uh, and tormented uh, by the enemy. Uh, He could not get loose. Uh, You know what happened? Uh, There's a young man uh, that started living uh, uh, on the edge, uh, sitting in a window, playing games uh, with the world uh, instead of sitting in the middle of the church uh, living for God uh, with all of his heart. Hey folks, I'm glad to tell you he's delivered tonight. He's blessed of God tonight. But the fact of the matter is uh, it would have been better uh, if he would never have been bound. uh, Never have to have that junk uh, fill his heart and fill his mind. You're a young man or a young lady, let me tell you something. Uh, Don't live your life on the edge. Uh, Don't always be uh, tampering with uh, things on the Internet you have no business tampering with. Don't text uh, uh, somebody something uh, that you have no business uh, texting them. Uh, don't don't live your life uh, listening uh, to the edgy music uh, and looking uh, at the wrong materials. Come on now. I know where you're living. Uh, I know what I'm preaching tonight. Uh, this is right where we're at. Uh, somewhere a young man needs to say, uh, I'm getting out of the window. I'm getting off of the edge. I'm going to get right in the middle of God's church. And so tonight, I ask you, are you living your life on the edge? Are you right at the edge of the world? Right at the edge of temptation. Not using good sense. You know what I'm preaching? Very simple. Get off of the edge. Get out of the window. Get right in the big middle of the church of the living God. And you'll never have to worry about the things of the world. Destroying your future. Destroying your family. Destroying your life. You know, when I was a kid, we had a swimming pool at our house, a built-in swimming pool. And there'd be some other boys from the church that would come and they'd swim. They'd come over to swim with me. And, you know, I was just like most of you young men, a little bit on the ornery side. And, you know, I had some friends, one boy especially. He was the kind that liked to just tiptoe into the pool. He'd get to the edge and stick his big toe in. Ooh, mm, that's cold. Oh, I'll get into the ankles. Then he'd get into about his knees. And he'd get in a little. And he'd just sit down. Brother, more times than not, while he was trying to get in that way, I'd come up the backside. And just push him in all the way. With a scream, he'd splash. But you know what? He got used to the water immediately. Some of you need to get off of the edge. Quit tippy-toeing with Jesus. And get right into the big middle of the church of the living God. And worship with all your heart. And pray with all your heart. And say amen to the preacher with all your heart. And back up your pastor with all your heart. And give unto the Lord with all you have. 
and then make up your mind. I'm not going to let all the old folks do all the work for God. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. Pastor, what can I do to help my church have revival and growth? The second thing that should not have happened was this guy should have never went to sleep sitting in a window. Man, you've got to be crazy to do that. Lanterns filling the place. No doubt the smell of smoke. Maybe he was there just to get fresh air. But he could have sat by the window. Not on it. But he sat on it. And you know, just before I go too far, let me just say this. I got to say it. If you're a mom or dad here, let me, let, me, let me put this in. If that young man's parents were there, they were partly to blame. Mama should have said, or Daddy should have said, what in the name of God are you doing? Because this miracle would have never happened to Brother Jim Johnson. My mom and Daddy raised me in a good holiness church in Southern California. And, and all five of us kids sat in front of, front of Mama and Daddy. And if we slumped too far, we got a thump on the back of the head, or Daddy would... Get us on the shoulder. We'd have to sit up. We couldn't even slump. Even if we were about to sleep, we had to sleep with our eyes open. Thank you, Mama. Thank you, Daddy. I'm saved today. And there's other kids that are lost and bound by the devil because they didn't have somebody watching out for them. So let me just say, young person, take responsibility for yourself. Take it for yourself. Live for God on your own, whether mom or daddy do or don't. But at the same time, if you're a good godly parent, I want to remind you, you are still the greatest influencer in your child's life. I know the world tells you you're not, but they have done studies that prove even tonight to this day, the most influential person in a child's life, even in their teenage years, is their mother and their father. Daddy, talk to that son. Mama, talk to that daughter. Tell her when, it, tell her when something's not right. Tell him when something's not right. Preacher friend of mine told me. I, I, I don't know. He told me, so I have to believe him. He's a man of God. Never lied to me in the past. He said a few years ago, he was listening to Focus on the Family when Dr. Dobson was still with him. And he was talking to his son, Ryan Dobson. And Ryan Dobson told them about a time when he was a teenager where they went to pick up some of their friends to go hang out at the mall. And he said when they pulled up to a certain house, one of the young ladies was dressed very immodestly. A halter top and short shorts. And, and, and when they pulled up, Ryan was embarrassed. He's not a Pentecostal. He's not a holiness believer. Just a, a good evangelical. But even he was embarrassed by the way she looked. And... She jumped in the car. She had a bag with her. She kissed her dad who was, who was watering the lawn. Kissed him goodbye. Jumped in the car. They got to the mall. She went into the ladies room and came back out with a modest top and long pants. So I'm not promoting the pants. But at least they were long instead of short. Short shorts. And Ryan was amazed and he asked, what, what's the deal here? Why, why did you change? And she told Ryan and some of the other kids 
She said, I purposely dressed that way to see if my daddy loved me enough to tell me, you can't leave this house like that. But daddy didn't love me enough to tell me to get those short shorts off and to get that halter top off. But I brought these because I knew in my heart that wasn't the way I ought to dress. But I was just wondering if daddy loved me enough uh, to tell me, come on moms and dads, uh, love your child enough uh, to get them out of the window. Get them out of that window. The man fell asleep in the window, the young man. Fell asleep while the man of God was preaching. While the word was going forth, he was snoring and sank into a deep sleep that caused his demise. How many times does the man of God preach? Does the, the word of God go forth? And spiritually speaking, uh, there are young men and young women, women sitting in a church uh, snoozing uh, and going faster and deeper to sleep uh, than ever before. Uh, and while the man of God is trying to reach them, uh, they sleep themselves uh, into a spiritual stupor uh, that actually leads uh, to their spiritual demise. There's a reason why the Bible says in the book of Romans, uh, and knowing the time uh, that now it is high time uh, to awake out of sleep, uh, for now is our salvation nearer uh, than when we first believed. Young man, young lady, uh, it's not time to sleep in the house of God. Uh, it's not time uh, to lose your spiritual uh, acumen uh, when you're in God's church. Jesus said, in the last days it'll be as it was in the days of Noah. Notice this. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. They were spiritually unaware of what was going on until the flood waters began to rise. Then they woke up and said, oh, we got to get into that ark. But it was way too late. I'm telling somebody, get out, of, get out of that stupor. Rub the carnality out of your eyes in the spirit. Rub the worldliness out of your eyes and say, Jesus is coming and I must make it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Study that and you'll find out when it says to be vigilant. That word means to keep a vigil. When, a, when an army man or a military officer keeps a vigil, that means they stand guard in the night, wide awake, and they don't let anybody come or go without their knowledge. You know what Peter was saying? There's a devil out there. He's walking around. He's loose. He's looking for some soul to destroy. So I'm telling you to be sober and be vigilant. Stay awake. Don't go to sleep. Don't go into spiritual slumber. But stay aware and awake. You may say, preacher, how do I stay awake? I'm going to tell you how. Hit the prayer room and open your mouth and pray. I pastor a church. I pastor some good people. But, but I'm getting worried about some of my young men. Some of my young ladies. They'll go because of our platform policy. 
15 minutes at minimum before church. you got to be in the prayer room. But I'm seeing some of them sit and mumble. That's not prayer. It's not time to meditate. It's time to shake the foundations of hell. I'm talking about staying awake. When you mumble your prayers, uh, they don't seem to do any good because the Bible said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, that means the effectual, unfervent prayer does nothing. What does fervent mean? It means red hot. It means boiling. Uh, it means white hot. Uh, it means something in the fire. You can't mumble a prayer and be fervent. How do you stay awake? Get in there and pray. I'd rather have a young man pray solid ten minutes than fool around for an hour. How do you stay awake when it's time to worship? Get your hands in the air. Get your mind on God. When it's shouting time, it's time to get out in the aisle and tell hell, I'm not coming. How do you stay awake, preach? I'll tell you, when the, when the pastor calls a visitation or some evangelistic endeavor, you need to be there. Whether mom and dad go or not, Get you a ride. I gotta be in the house of God. Let me just say this. I was a young person raised in a good church, uh, but when we had evangelistic things, uh, there were many times uh, I went and a lot of the other young people didn't. Some of those are, have spent time in penitentiaries uh, and ruined their lives, uh, but I'm living for God, blessed uh, of the Holy Ghost. Now, let me say something else. I was a young man with a burden and a call of God on my life. There were many Saturdays my church didn't have an outreach. But Brother Johnson got up when his parents were still in bed and prayed and got dressed and got in my car. And went and knocked some doors without anybody telling me to do it. And I stayed awake and I lived from, for God my life from a young man till now. And I've never backslid. Now, I'm not telling you that I haven't made mistakes. Because that would not be true. But I'm telling you I've never turned back. I never gave up. I never threw in the towel. And guess what? I'm not planning to. I'm going in the rapture. And so can you if you'll stay awake. Somebody needs to get out of the window. Somebody needs to rub the sleep out of your eyes. Somebody needs to say, I'm getting in the church with all my heart. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to pray and worship and give and serve with all my heart. Having said that, there's another reason that this miracle should never have happened. This miracle stopped the work of God. The preacher had to shut it down. The church had to stop. To attend to a situation that should never have happened. But what I want to say is this. The founder of Chick-fil-A, Kathy Truett, said this. I would rather build boys than to mend men. You know what he was saying? What I'm preaching tonight. Stay out of the windows. Don't fall asleep. Get in there and become something with your life. 
God can and will rehabilitate you. But it'd be better for you if He never had to do it. And, and so, if you're a young man or a young lady in this church tonight, and you're living for God, I'm telling you, you're a blessed person. You're a blessed man, a blessed young lady. You have no greater testimony than to say, I've lived for God. Because I'm going to tell you, you talk to the prostitutes that are saved. You talk to the drug addicts that are saved. They deal with stuff. They deal with scars and residue. And kids born out of wedlock that show up later in life and take their money and, and cause legal problems. I'm just telling the truth here tonight. Yeah, you're, they're still saved and blessed. But what, I, what I'm trying to tell you is if you stay out of the window and stay awake, God will not have to do a miracle in your life. You will be blessed above measure. However, preaching as I have, and, and I believe this with all of my heart, any of the young people from our church here tonight tell you I don't preach any different tonight than I preach to our church. I'm not trying to impress anybody or depress anybody. I'm just telling you the way it is. I tell our young people, live for God. Pray, worship, give, serve, do what's right. I see Ashley here tonight talking about soul winning. She started bringing a young man she met at college and it wasn't for a romantic relationship. And she started bringing him and he told me later, I used to get mad because I thought I was already saved. And when you preach Acts 2.38 and the Holy Ghost, I knew it was right, it was in the Bible, but I didn't like it. But here about a year ago, we had an evangelist talking to our young people, just talking to them. And... That young man was there. And he said, I'd like to just show you how to teach a Bible study, young people. He said, is there anybody here I could demonstrate it on? And that young man raised his hand. So he started talking to him about baptism, about the Holy Ghost. By the time it was over, we, were, we, were, we had prayer meeting and then choir practice. And the choir was starting to get ready to practice. And the young people come filing out of the, the upper room, their youth room. And they brought this young man. And they said, the evangelist said he wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. Friend, we stopped the... Hey, when somebody wants to be baptized, uh, fully on the choir practice, uh, it's time to do the thing uh, that is most important. Uh, and that's to see somebody saved. I baptized that man in Jesus' name. That young man. Sunday morning was Easter Sunday. That very next weekend, he came to the front and lifted his hands. God baptized him with the Holy Ghost in an instant of time. And he's been living for God. Does that mean he's perfect? No. Does that mean he'll never have a problem? No. But what I'm trying to tell you is, thank God, there was a young person who cared enough to say, would you like to go to church with me? Would you like to go to my church for a change? Thank God for it. Hey, young man, young lady, invite somebody to the house of God. Tell them about Jesus. You never know what will happen. But tonight, having preached this way, I know it's a lot of preventative preaching. But I want to tell you, I, I feel like Kathy Truett, founder of Chick-fil-A. It's much better to build boys than to mend men. So, young person, stay ahead of the game. Live a great life. Have a wonderful marriage with nobody to worry about breaking it up. Have a good family life. Have a good career. Uh, stay focused in your life. And God will bless you uh, more than any worldling. That's what I am here to preach tonight. But before I sit down, i got to talk to that young person tonight that already fell out of the window. 
I've got to talk to that young person who already fell asleep and sank down. I've got to talk to that one that's already failed God. That one that's already blown it. That one that's already made some mistakes. And the enemy's been telling you, see, even as the man of God preaches, he's showing that, you know, you just made a bad mistake and you ruined it. It's not worth it. Just just forget it. Just go all the way into the world. Just, just throw in the towel and quit. I want to preach to you. You hear me tonight? That voice is not the voice of God. That is the voice of the enemy. To take you to hell and to stop God from blessing you and your life from this point onward. I want you to listen to me. Even though God shouldn't have had to have done a miracle. Hear me. He did. He shouldn't have had to have. But He did. The church stopped everything. The man of God quit feeding the flock. And they focused on one person who had fallen. On one person who had fallen asleep and fell out of the window. The preacher grabbed him and embraced him. You ought to thank God every day of your life for a pastor, for an evangelist that would preach to you and say, I don't care that you fell. It's time to get back up. It's time for God to breathe fresh life into your soul. You can make it. You can make it. So if you've made a mistake, you hear this preacher, I'm not telling you to quit. I'm not telling you to give up. I'm telling you there is a God. That though He shouldn't, uh, He does. That though He shouldn't have to do some things, uh, He does them anyway. Because He loves men and women and young people and children. Uh, he could throw up the towel and say, no, they should have known better. Uh, but even when He knows they should have known better, when they fall, he stops it all and performs a miracle. I'll never forget hearing a great preacher preach. And he told the story of preaching a youth camp in Texas. He said in that youth camp, kids were getting the Holy Ghost all over the place. He said, but every night at that youth camp, there was one young man that sat in the back, chewed gum, talked, fooled around. He said, I turned a, a preacher on the platform, and he said, I asked him, who is that boy? And the preacher said, he's brother so-and-so's son, a pastor in Texas. He said, that's his boy. He said, he's full of the devil. He's full of rebellion. He's caused all kinds of heartache for his mother and his father in their church. The evangelist said, I got up the last night of that camp, that youth camp. And he said, I said to, to God privately, God, I've got to reach that young man tonight. He said, I preached my heart out. He said he sweated and snorted and stomped and preached. Poured his heart out. Then he began to give the altar call. Kids were running all over the building to the front. and God was filling them with the Holy Ghost. And the Spirit was moving. But he said that boy sat in the back. All bowed up with his arms crossed. Looking at me. He said harshly. Something like that. And he said... He said, I, I, I preached, did everything I could, and I still didn't reach him. He said, I could have quit. I could have said, I'm tired, I'm sweated down. I, I, there's no sense the boy is unreachable. But I said to God, God, that boy is a preacher's son. God, I can't let him go to hell. I can't let the devil have him. i got to do whatever I have to to reach him. 
And he said, I kept on begging. He said, I kept on pleading. I kept on saying, come on, young man. God wants to do a work in your life. Come on, God will forgive you. God will change you. He said, I kept begging. I kept pleading. I kept on and on and on. And he said, finally, that boy couldn't take it any longer. He began to sprint and run down the middle aisle. He said when he got to the front, he did a belly flop at the altar. He said, the evangelist said, I jumped off the platform. He said, I laid my hands on him. He was full of the devil. He said, I cast out demons out of that boy. He said, the next thing I know, that boy lifted both hands and began to speak in a heavenly language. God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. The evangelist said, camp ended that night. Next day, all the kids left. He said, Sunday morning, Rolled around. The boy said, Dad, after church, can I talk to the church family? He said, Sure, son. He took the microphone from his daddy. That teenage boy said, I want to tell this church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the rebellious spirit. I'm sorry for opposing my mother and my father. I'm sorry for all the trouble I've caused. Would you forgive me? They said the people began to weep. They gathered around him. They hugged his neck. He hugged their neck. It was a beautiful thing. They had church again Sunday night. And Sunday night, after church, the pastor and his family, this boy, they went out to eat. and They they come back to the house. Everybody went to bed. While they were... Sleeping, the boy woke up with a horrific headache. And he, he was so bad, he, he went to his mom and dad's room, knocked on their door, said, Daddy, Mama, I don't know what it is. My head is killing me. They said, Son, go back to bed and just see how you feel in a little while. If you're still hurting in a little while, uh, let us know and, and, and we may take you to the doctor of the hospital. He came back a little while later. He said, I can't take it. It's so bad. It hurts so bad. They loaded him up. They took him to the emergency room. They took him to the hospital. When he got to the hospital and they were checking him out, he had a brain aneurysm that burst and he was ushered out into eternity. And this evangelist that preached to him said, He didn't know that. But one of the preachers called him a couple days after camp and said, you you, you remember that young man that prayed through the last night? He said, oh yeah, I could never forget him. Then he told him the story. The evangelist said, when I hung up the phone, he said, I hung that phone up and I said, God, what if I had to beg What if I had to plead it? What if I hadn't kept reaching? There'd be a preacher's boy in hell tonight. He'd be lost forever without God. That boy received a miracle he should never have received. That should never have had to have happened in his life. But the good news is, God stopped everything and had a man of God reach. Get a hold of that boy! And he's in heaven tonight! Even though the devil wanted him in hell! And everything in his life uh, was taking him the wrong direction. I'm preaching to somebody. uh, So if you've blown it, uh, don't throw in the towel. Let this preacher reach for you. Let these pastors reach for you. Respond to God. And God will revive your soul and change your life. And when you die or the rapture happens... You won't be left behind. You won't go to hell. 
you'll be forever saved. I wonder right now, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Right now, if you're a young man that's made some mistakes, but in your heart you want to be saved, you want God's blessing, you don't want to be lost, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're a young lady here, you've made some mistakes. You might have even sinned. Some terrible sin. I'm telling you, God will stop everything for you. God will send a preacher. God will send an evangelist. Because even though he shouldn't have to do the miracle, he will. He'll stop the church service. He'll stop the preacher. He'll stop everything that's going on in his kingdom. Just to revive one young man or one young lady. I wonder right now as we all stand, is there somebody, right now, right now, with heads bowed, eyes closed, let's not belabor this, right now, is there a young person somewhere that would say, God, I may not be per- I may have made mistakes, but by your grace, I want you to pick me up. I want you to turn me around. I want you to give me a fresh anointing. And by your grace, I'm getting out of the window. And by your grace, I'm not going to sleep in the last days. And by your grace, I'm going to be that young man, that young lady you want me to be. Right now. I'm asking for somebody to be bold. I'm asking for a young man to take the lead. I'm asking for a young lady. You may be the only one that's going to turn somebody else in your youth group to God tonight. Would you slip out of that pew right now? Right now. Come on. Come on. Right now. Come stand at the front. Young man, young lady. Would you do it? Right now. Come from where you are. Hallelujah. Let's gather at the front as we have a song. Would you just close your eyes and lift your hands to God? If you've been sitting in the window, playing games with your soul, falling asleep in the house of God, take me back. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to renew renew you. Revive you. Oh, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord. If you've fallen, He'll pick you up. This pastor, this preacher, every preacher here, we're not in the business to see anybody lost. We're here to help every man, every young person, every young man, every young lady go to heaven. First, believe. Oh, help me to make it, God.